Well, good morning. I uh, want to just uh, say a few things about Stephen Ministry. I want to just mention a few names here because there was a lot of people involved in getting Stephen Ministry started here at this church. One who has passed on, Ron Somerville, uh, helped and get that going. Judy Drake as well. She's still uh, with us and Hilton. Be praying for her husband, Hilton. And Joyce Schultz, who's moved on to uh, be with closer with her family. Dave Thompson, who still attends at the first service. And Ken, Kenny and Brenda Wilson. So let's just give those people a hand for, for helping that ministry get started. I want to thank everybody. I was able to have a few weeks to where I was able to take off a little bit as, as far as different time. I went to help a sister church uh, preach, Valley View in Reno, Ohio. That was a good experience. And then last week, I got to go to St. Mary's, First Baptist St. St. Mary's, and hear one of my former teens, Adam Myers, speak there as he uh, has joined the church there on staff. So that was a neat experience. Um, what was really neat was after Night to Shine, uh, going there, and we had two families approach me after the service and just thank uh, from Porterfield, just to say thank you for uh, having Night to Shine. That is a wonderful ministry. And I just want to share that people are being touched around in the community uh, by what we're doing here at Porterfield. And I think that's true whether it's Night to Shine, whether it's Stephen Ministry, whether it's our Upward. And I, let me just say that for a second. Thank you so much for just, it encourages me when I see families posting videos and pictures of Upward and their kids playing. Because I see that not only is them playing, but also reminds me of the gospel being shared in their life through practices, through the halftime devotions, through the experience that we're engaged in the culture, we're engaged in the world by doing these ministries. And if there's any part of that that you would be interested in that you're not been a part of yet, uh, please uh, check that out. Get a hold of us. Uh, you can simply send an email to office at PBC Exchange to get involved in that. Well, let's get into the message now. We're looking at the book of Ephesians. This is one of the books uh, we've asked people to look into this month uh, to read uh, daily, to read one chapter a day. And I'd encourage you today, if you have not started that, let's start today. Let's read the book of Ephesians together. And then I'd like for you to continue that out next week, next Sunday. I'm going to preach on the last part of the chapters uh, in the book of Ephesians. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1 today. So let's get started. We're going to start with verse 3 today. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So there's going to be a certain theme that we're going to see as we look at this letter that Paul is writing to this Ephesian church. This was a big city. It was a big port area where there was a lot of people coming in and out. It was a Roman city, and there was a lot of gods that they worshipped. And if you want to read that backstory, you can look at Acts chapter 19 and read the backstory of this whole situation. Actually, Paul had a first ministry that he went, didn't see much result, went there a second time, and this person named Apollos, who had not really heard much about Jesus or heard anything about Jesus, heard John's testimony, John the Baptist, was baptized by John the Baptist, was preaching a message in Ephesus and was telling people about, you know, God. And so they had received this baptism from John, but yet had not really had knowledge of who Jesus was. And so when Paul talks about that Apollos planted, or he planted some seeds and Apollos watered, he's saying that this journey of ministry takes time. 
I think sometimes when we read these letters, we're like, hey, let's, let's get this now. Let's see a revival happen now, today. And sometimes we got to see, hey, i got to share the word over and over again. Sometimes it may take root. Sometimes it may not. But I still need to be an evangelist. I still need to share about Christ to my coworkers and those around me. Let them know who Jesus is because you never know. And it might not be you. You may be just called to plant the seed. Somebody else comes along and waters. And then somebody else receives the harvest of that salvation that takes place in that person's life. It's really a beautiful thing that we're not the only ones serving. We're serving together in some capacity that God's church, the body of Christ, is reaching people together. And, of course, it's his Holy Spirit work. But here's an interesting thing in this verse that just stands out to me. We're going to see this shared over and over again in Christ He's talking about these blessings that we receive, heavenly, spiritually, spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ. In other words, when you come and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's giving you some blessings that maybe you can't see in the physical world, but they're spiritual blessings that you're receiving because of your accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is exciting stuff. And it made me think, I thought about this because this is important to me. This is something that I've, I've kind of used as my thing, and it kind of keeps me in, in that focus, in that mindset. If you've ever received an email from me, you probably noticed that I always include in Christ when I send an email out. It's just a way. It's not trying to be in your face. It's just a, I'm trying to say that I'm a Christian, and I am a follower of Jesus, and it's in Christ that I do the things I do. Hopefully, that heart that I have that I want to do those things measures up to me being in Christ. I know I fail. I know I'm a human being, but hopefully my heart will be in the right place that I'll be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when my mother and father, well, my father was convicted uh, of hurting my mom or raping my mom, and, and after that, we were allowed to change our names. We had the option to change our names. Um, so my mom changed her name back to her maiden name, Carol Gribble. My sister chose to choose her name as Charity Gribble. And I'd already started my ministry and felt like I still wanted to keep that name. But there was one name that I kind of had some issues with. My first name was Charles. And, of course, that was my dad's name. But I, I didn't really like that name very well. Anyhow, because I'd go to school, <laughs> and I'd hear Charlie, Chuck, all these things. I'd always hear it in roll call. Hey, uh, is, is Chuck here, or is Charlie here, or is Charles here? But I was always called, all my life, called Eric. So Eric was really the name I went by. My parents called me Eric. It was just that Charles was my first name. So I had the opportunity to change my name. And I decided to call myself Eric Christian Leeson. Because I always wanted to be mindful of that. That I'm a Christian. And the definition of being Christian is to be Christ-like. That is my goal. In other words, sometimes I have a bumpy road that I go on because I'm not perfect, but my heart, my desire, my, my attitude should be towards Christ. Now, I know there's nothing really in a name, but it is something that I want to be mindful of. And so when I had two boys, Xavier and Isaiah, I chose, or we chose, me and Shelly, I can't do anything without my spouse, but uh, me and Shelly decided to give him the name Christian. So it's Xavier Christian Leeson, Isaiah Christian Leeson. And it's just a name in a way. But every time I want them to write down their name or have them write down their name, I want them to think about, oh, you, you should be a Christian first. It's Christ in the center of your life. That's what Paul is talking about in this book of Ephesians. 
especially his, his starting out with this letter. He's wanting to remind this church of these Ephesians uh, or in Ephesus, this church in Ephesus. He's trying to remember the people that are following Christ. Hey, keep this in mind. You're a Christian now. You're in Christ now. Remember, there's all these other false gods that they're worshiping in this area. And there's such an interesting story. I don't want to go there and Acts, but read Acts chapter 19 because it's a fascinating story where there's just business has fallen. And it's not because Paul is going after the false gods. Let me say that again. Paul is not going after the false gods. He's preaching the true God. He's preaching Jesus Christ. And he's talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And they're starting to lose businesses. Why? Because they're making these idols. And they're trying to sell these idols to make a profit. And he's ruining their business because people are seeing that Jesus is the true God. That God is the true God. And they stop. I don't need a statue of this, this false God, Diana. I need the real God. I need Jesus. And so the one thing that Paul is trying to get across trying to share with his people is this, that we are in Christ. We are in Christ and that there's these heavenly blessings that we're gonna be talking about, these things that we've been given by God to bless us, to touch our lives, that we should hold on to. And these aren't gonna be physical things that you can grab, but these are spiritual things that have been taking place in your heart since you accepted Christ. And because you know Christ, these are things that you can't see Really, but you can see God's spirit working in. You can see the evidence of what's taking place because you see God alive and at work. Looking at verse four and five. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So here's one of the things that we have, that we've been given through Christ. You've been adopted. You've been grafted into the family of God. We've been uh, added to God's family. When I accepted Christ, I'm no longer a foreigner. I'm no longer an outcast. I've been morphed into, or not morphed into, I should say, uh, uh, grafted in. Thank you. I think I heard somebody say that. So grafted into the family of God. I've been added to God's family. We've been added to God's family, and that should give us such courage and such knowledge that I'm not longer by myself. I'm no longer the outcast. I've been adopted by God into his family. In Christ, I've been adopted into sonship, into daughtership in Christ Jesus. And this was his will. This was his pleasure. God wanted to bring you back. God wants his family to grow. He wants to reach people that want to know the truth, that want to seek the truth. And I know, like, sometimes we're just sick of the culture. We're sick of the lies. We're sick of the confusion. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Let's not waste our time with what the world says. Who cares what the world says? Jesus is the answer. Because if you focus on the right thing and you focus on the power that's being displayed in you, you have a power that's greater than the whole world that the, the Satan himself cannot stand up against because he has no power over that. He has no power over God. I don't care how many people are worshiping Satan. You realize broad is the road to destruction. It doesn't matter if you worship Satan or worship some false god. You're still lost. 
Jesus is the only way to salvation. Narrow is the road to eternal life. Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want life, you've got to come to me. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing currently, I'm the path to life. And we as Christians should know the answer. We as Christians shouldn't live in dismay or terror or fear or be anxious for anything because we know the full God of power is displayed in the life of Jesus. I got a little wound up there. (laughs) Through him, through him we have adoption. I'm adopted. I've been adopted. And that, that should encourage us. That should get us excited a little bit to know we're adopted in the family of God. I'm no longer a lost, just kind of going through life. I know who I belong to. I know who, I'm, who, who, who bought me. Who bought me. I'm a part of God's family now. Why are we so concerned about living in this world? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we should just neglect it. We can be so heavenly minded, right? We're no earthly good. And we can be so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. But why are we so worried about what happens in this life? We should just enjoy this life. No matter the ups and downs, I know they're always going to be there. But you know who's going to be with me every step of the way? Every step of the way, whether it's down or up, whether it's, it's a struggle or it's a blessing or it's a fun time or it's a hard time. Who's going to be with me every step of the way? Jesus and his Holy Spirit is going to be with me every time I go through anything. Because I'm his. And he's mine. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. He loves us. And if we go back to that that word of predestination, God had this in mind years ago. Before creation was created, he knew what was going to take place. He knew the options that were going to be there. He knew that we were going to be in this fallen world, but he wanted to give us a choice. And I don't fully fathom that. I fully don't understand that. But I recognize the fact that God, long time ago, knew what was going to happen. He knew it, but he still did it. He knew it, and he knew he was going to send his son to die on a cross. That he himself was going to take the sins of the world on his back and pay a price that we could not pay ourselves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according with his riches of God's grace. So here we have... A couple things in those two verses where it talks about we have redemption. In him we have redemption. I I don't know about you, but it's so good to know I'm redeemed. That I'm redeemed. I'm valuable. Isn't it it a good feeling that God wants you to know that you're valuable? That you're valuable. That's what redeemed. When you're redeemed, you're taken from a place where you you felt no good. You felt like you were trash. You felt like you were terrible. And that's what Satan wants you to feel. That's what, what Satan wants you to think. But Jesus is saying, no, no, you're valuable. I came to redeem you. I came to save you. We have been redeemed. If we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we're redeemed. We're standing before God as redeemed people. And it's not nothing I did. I didn't do this. I'm not good enough. But Christ said, you are good enough. He said, I want you to be redeemed. I want to wash all those things that you've done in your past 
throw them away, wash them away, cleanse you up, make you whiter than snow. You realize, you think about that, you ever think about that snow? I know we haven't had a lot this winter, have we? <laughs> We're going to have 60 degree weather, I'm sweating up here. Uh, but, you know, you ever seen that? Like when you get that first snowfall and it snows, boy, it doesn't take very long before that beautiful snow starts getting tainted, right? Especially if you have pets, right? <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's white. It's just a pure white. So beautiful. So beautiful. I mean, I know many of you have taken great pictures. My wife has taken some beautiful pictures of the snow. It's just beautiful. Jesus wants us to be knowing that when he redeemed you, when you accepted you know, uh, him as your Lord and Savior, he redeemed you. He washed you. He cleansed you up. He brought you back into the fold. And that's the other thing, that we, we receive forgiveness. In him, we have forgiveness. In him, he, he doesn't look at us and say, well, remember, you know, like us as parents sometimes, which I'm guilty of, you know. Well, remember when you did that? Remember when, you know, right? And our kids do that to us, right? Well, remember when you said this? You know, they're really good about remembering things to get back at, at you. But you know with God, do you realize there's none of that with God? That when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's not coming back at you and pointing the finger at you and saying, you let me down. There's love. There's this love that I fully can't even understand, that I can't even fully comprehend. I try to love my family like, like Jesus loves, but I, I truly believe when we get to heaven, we're going to just be so overcome it's not going to just be the glory and the majesty and the power that's going to overwhelm us. It's going to be his love. It's just going to overwhelm us. It really will. I think it's just going to just overwhelm us. I mean, we're going to bow down because we just in awe of who God is, his grace, his mercy, and what a wretched person I am. You know, it's going to be like Isaiah coming into the throne of God, and he's like, whoa, you know, this is me, and I'm not, I shouldn't be here, you know. But because of Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you come, you, you belong with me. You belong here. Awesome. Truly is awesome. Verse 8. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in Christ. Again, we got to go back to Christ. To be put into effect when the times uh, reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all the things in heaven and on earth. So there's a few things here I want to highlight here. Um, just talking it over and, and looking at these things. That when, when Christ uh, in him we find wisdom. We find this wisdom that we didn't have before. You know when I came to Christ at nine years old. It was just like a window just opened into my mind and my heart. That I realized who I needed to put my faith and trust into. And he's continuing to give me that wisdom. As I grow in Christ, I'm growing further in the area of understanding this world is not just physical, it's spiritual. Most of the battles we face in this life are spiritual battles. And this is what the letter of Ephesians is trying to bring out. You're facing you know, spiritual battles. The battles, it's not just that person you're fighting against. It's not just that crowd of people. It's not just that situation. A lot of times you're fighting battles that are spiritual warfare that's going on to wreak havoc in your life. You know who has authority in that? You know who has wisdom and understanding for that? It's Jesus. 
Jesus is the one that has that knowledge and that power. And the more we lean into Jesus, the more we understand he has the power to give us so that we can understand it, so that we can have wisdom, the better off we are. But here's another thing that at the end on that verse 7. See, before, after Adam and Eve had sinned, there was a great big gulf that was forming that separated us from God and from mankind, from God's creation and him. And it was sin. Sin has separated us from God. And what is it saying here? That Jesus came and Jesus, he's bringing it together so that his creation, us, can be brought back to him. He's wanting to unify, to unite us again. And if you read in Genesis where Adam and Eve were able to walk and talk with God, won't that be so cool just to be able to walk and talk with God? God wants that again. He wants his people back. And he wants to bring us back, his creation and heaven, back as one again, to be united. And it's through Jesus Christ that it's able to happen. It's able to happen because we put our trust in Jesus. It's in Jesus that we need to make sure we align ourselves with. But it's that unity. God didn't want it to stay this way. It breaks God's heart. As I think about it, like with Moses, you know, you, you got this mountaintop experience, and then you got in the valley. What's happening? Chaos, right? But God wants the chaos to stop, and he wants to bring us with him on the mountain, like Moses. But it only could be done through his son, Jesus, because we couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't do it on our own. So God himself came down and his son and paid a price we could not pay. Looking at Ephesians chapter 11, sorry, not 11, there is no 11, verse 11. I'd have caused somebody to be looking there for a while. And if I was sitting with you, I'd probably have been the very person trying to, where is that 11? <laughs> you know? In him we uh, were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity when the per- with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. This is just, just a great news that we have. We can be a part of God's glory. We can be a part of people knowing Christ, that God wants to use my testimony, your testimony, to be a witness to those around us. You know, a lot of times we make evangelism so hard and it shouldn't be too hard. Evangelism is just telling people about what news you found. If you know Christ, it shouldn't be too hard, right? We make it way too hard than it is. Because if you found something really cool, like if I find a good deal, I usually tell, well, I don't always tell people because I learned a hard way, like movie pass. When a movie pass was out, I told some people and I think they took advantage and they broke it, right? So like sometimes you don't want to tell everybody. But if you find something good, usually you're telling people and you're letting people know about what a great deal is and you want everybody to know it so they can save money too, right? We know the greatest thing. We know the greatest deal that was ever given. We know Jesus Christ has come who's paid a debt we could never pay. And we know that God himself wants to come down and be a part of our lives.
And he does it through his son and through the Holy Spirit so that we can have this relationship back with God. If we're so into Jesus, you can't help talk about it. You can't help talk about what God's doing in your life. Whether you're teaching a Sunday school class or you're, you're doing Night to Shine or you're doing an Upward and you're a coach and you're like, yeah, this kid, he, he came and he prayed. Then I've, I've seen God move and it's, it's when we allow God to move in our hearts and our lives and we share that good news with other people, it gives us an opportunity to evangelize and tell people about what we've experienced because we know him and we're his. Continuing on verse 13, and you also were included in Christ. Again, in Christ. When you heard the message of the truth. You know, we're not, this is the thing that none of us should be in a pursuit for lies, right? I don't want to be lied to. I want to seek truth. You, you think about investigations that happen all around the world. What are they doing? What's their job? It's to seek truth. We are truth seekers. We should be. We should be trying to experience the fullness of God and his truth. The reality of the fact, not the noise, not the craziness that the world tries to spew out because they're just spewing out all kinds of stuff. See what sticks, right? But God says, I've given you my word. I've sent my son. I've sent the prophets. I've given you my law. We should seek truth. The gospel is the truth. The gospel of our, your salvation. When you believed it, in other words, when you accepted it, when you believed it, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a, is a, in, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So in him we find the seal. What does that mean, the seal of the Holy Spirit? When you accept Christ, you'll receive the Holy Spirit coming in your heart and in your life. And it's a mark. You can't see it. Again, we're talking about spiritual things. But when you make that choice and you've received Christ and you and you've prayed that prayer saying, God, forgive me. When you do that and you believe, it's really, that's the bottom line. It's just belief. It's beyond just just saying, okay, I believe, but it's a sincere belief that you put your trust in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit seals you. And what that means is that God, no one, no enemy, no demon, no Satan, nobody in this world can stand up against you if you're in Christ. In other words, God's seal is on you permanently. I don't have to worry about Losing it, I trust Jesus with it. And I place my faith in him, and he has put this seal upon me and you as Christians. And he talks about this inheritance. We, we are inheriting things that we didn't deserve. We didn't earn it. If you think about the message I preached a few, well, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, about the prodigal son who asked his dad, give me my inheritance. And he went out and he spent it and he squandered it all, right? Did the dad, when the son came back, did the dad say, hey, you owe me still for all this money you took from me and you spent it? 
No, he welcomed him right back in. He put the, the ring on his finger to show that he was his son. He put the robe saying, I'm covering you. I'm covering you. You're my child. You're with me. You're not a servant. You're my son. That's what God wants to do because we are his creation. As we get to later, we're his handiwork. That God created us for a purpose, a beyond a purpose of just living the good life here on this earth. I'm not saying we can't have a good time. We should have a good time as Christians in this life. But we understand this is not our home. This is not the end. I know one day I'll see my grandmother and my grandfather. One day I'll see my mom again. I'll see all my uncles that I respected over the years. I'll see all those people that poured into me in some way, that told me about Jesus. And I'll be able to recognize them and see them and know who they are. And we will have a big party one day. There'll be a big celebration. Because I know this isn't my home. This is my temporary dwelling. One day I'll be given a new body and be able to see my God. And I'll be able to see him face to face. And I'll be able to praise Jesus. And it's not going to just be praising God all the time, but there will be this great joy and celebration of singing praise to our God because we have experienced the fullness of his goodness, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his forgiveness. Continuing on in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He's talking about us. He's talking about we are his holy people. Again, it's not because of us. It's because of what Jesus did. I'm holy. It seems weird, doesn't it, to even think that way. But it's because of Christ. And his incomparable great power for us who believe that the power is the same. Let's really look at this. Really study this part. Because it says, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So he's saying there's great power for us spiritually. For us who believe in Christ. That there's going to be things that we're going to be able to do in the name of Christ. That we can do ourselves. That like here, right now, I'm speaking to you in front of you, not because of my power, but but the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's power. If I do good things, it's because God. If I do bad things, it's me. (laughs) Right? It is. It truly is. But his power, that his power, the same power, the same as the mighty strength, He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The same power that is being displayed in my life is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing? That God wants to, and and this is the beauty part of the church, the body of Christ. It's not just me that's doing this. I see this in our church all the time. This is what encourages us ministers. Because I know it's not just Mark. I know it's not just me. I know it's not just Pastor Adam. It's the body. It's the people that pray. It's the people that seek God's face. It's the people that serve when they're not looking for any acknowledgement, when they're not looking for a praise because they're doing it in the name of Christ. That I see God's power displayed. And continuing on, it says, From the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, 
far above all rulers and authorities of power, a dominion. Again, it's talking about Jesus has full authority over everything and every name that is invoked. Every name that's invoked. All the evil people of the world, they will have to bow down to Jesus one day because Jesus has been given the supreme authority. Why is that? Why is Jesus getting this special privilege? Because he came and gave his life and became the lowest of the low and served all of us. He came to serve us by his death and his resurrection. Verse 22, God placed all things under his authority, appointed him to be head of the church over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. So he's saying that, that with, with the body of Christ, with the churches, with us as a church here in the local church, that we are the body of Christ. And through, our, through each one of us collectively, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Christ, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you, get, if you get a chance, if you get the Bible notes, if you get the user version Bible notes, you go look under events and see Porterfield Baptist Church. They'll have the sermon notes, but then on today, I have this book uh, listed. Pastor Mark wrote a book called, uh, um, sorry, Developing Your Spiritual Eyesight. I want to make sure I got it right. But what a wonderful book because in this, that verse I shared with you, it is. Paul's saying, I want you to see. I want you to, I want you to see with your heart. See with your spirit. See what God's doing. Open your, the, not the eyes that watches TV and gets so frustrated with what the world's seeing or doing or what's happening with this concert or what's happening with that place. Don't get so frustrated with those things because God's still on the throne. And what we need to do as Christians is focus more on the power that we have. Because the more power you give that stuff, the more you talk about it, the more you share it, you're giving more credence to it. We have the truth. You know, the biggest thing about truth, too, is like when you stand on the truth, there will be people that will oppose that truth. There will be people that deny that truth. But if it's the truth, it's the truth, Right? Like, me and Shelly have been watching the show, like, you know, uh, Take the Witness Stand or something, or they go up and share, uh, Take the Stand, I think it's what it's called in A&E, and, you know, it's like, I wouldn't care what in my life, if, if I knew that I didn't do something, I don't know if I could take a plea deal, I don't know, I, I, just, I just feel like that, I need to live out the truth of my life so much, so I, I couldn't admit to something that was wrong, and it not be the truth, I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, but, but I think we need to be truth seekers. I think we need to seek truth. When it says hearts might be enlightened, when it says hearts might be enlightened, it's when we open our eyes and see what's really going on. You know, one of the things that I've thought about and I've wrestled with, and I don't know if it speaks to you at all, but it's been speaking to me, it's like, you know, whose agenda really is going on in this world? You know, whose agenda, all the evil things we see play out. You know, one man lives a life, and he lives to be about 100 years old, right? And then he's gone. Who do you really live for? You know, we only have a a certain amount of time. Who am I living for? Because somebody must be at work 
to, to cause some of the things that we see in the world happen. And there must be a bigger agenda at, play, uh, agenda at play than what we normally see in the world. And I believe it's spiritual. There's spiritual warfare going on between God and between Satan. Again, broad is the road to destruction. He's going to throw it out there as broadly as he can. You know, Satan doesn't, doesn't care if you follow him or not. He just doesn't want you to follow Jesus. He just doesn't want you to get close to Christ. And he's going to try everything in his power to pull you away from that. Moving into chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. As for you, you who were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world, of the rulers of the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work in you, in those who are disobedient. One of the things I want us to take notice of, it says kingdom of the air. And I, I, I tell you, me and, me and Scott talked this week and he, he prayed for me and I appreciate Scott Newland. And one of the things I shared with him is this idea is the kingdom of the air. I think about that because it's talking about Satan and, and he's the kingdom of the air. How do, you, how do you collect air? How do you keep air? How do you show ownership of air? You know? It made me think of that movie Spaceballs where you had that, the, you know, the guy had the cans of air. Remember what That's not a very, very good movie, sorry. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, that, you know, you can't keep air, right? I mean, it's air's air, right? You can't prove that you own air. But that's what Satan owns. That's what Satan has. In other words, all authority, God's still over. God still owns the earth. God still owns heaven. You know, this idea that we have in this culture that Satan owns hell, he doesn't. Hell is not a place for him to have a party. Hell is designed for Satan himself. And he will be cast into that lake of fire. You know, it's really us that give him power. It's us that allow him to do the things he does. If we would take a stand in our hearts and our own lives, speak the truth, teach the truth, then he would have no power at all. See, it's, it's God creates. God makes things happen. Satan, he can only tempt you. He can only create possibilities or questions to cause doubt, cause confusion. Get you to think a different way. But he's not God. And he never will be God. He will never win. He will never have ownership of anything. And God will show one day when he sends him to the lake of fire. And unfortunately, there will be people that will choose and reject Christ as Savior. And they will be sent where he is. Because they have not seen the truth. The spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. So it's acknowledging that Satan does. Cause disruption, cause disobedience. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way at all. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, 
you were by nature deserving of wrath. This is one of the things I want to share with us is that we were like the rest. If we're going to reach people for Christ, if we're going to tell people about Christ, we have to always understand, I'm like that too. I, I, I have these cravings that I shouldn't have. I acknowledge that there's these things in this life that, that I wrestle with, that I can be tempted by. And I have to keep that in mind. As a follower of Christ, I need to keep that in mind. And before I knew Christ, before I knew Christ, I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit to resist those at times. Sometimes I just kind of let him talk because I didn't see the truth. I didn't see what God was wanting to do in my heart and my life to pull me out of that. But for us Christians, we need to understand that I was there. In my rebellion towards God, I was there resisting God. I was there trying to disrupt what God was wanting to do in my heart. And I was trying to do things for myself. And I was trying to just make my life better and be happy and be successful in whatever way I thought that success was and enjoy my time. But now I realize, being a Christian, that it's different. That my life isn't over after I die. You know, you see so many people, especially celebrities, who try to escape death, and they can't. It makes me sad for them. Because if they don't know Christ, when they die, they have no hope. But we as Christians, knowing Jesus, we have the hope. And we should share that hope. We should let people know. And I think about this too, just like this revival that's happened at Asbury College it's interesting, and then, like sometimes when we see Satan do things in the world, then God's like, I'll show you. I'll respond to it in other ways. It's just amazing because it's God, right? And God works differently. God's not going to always work in front of certain things. He's going to work in small pockets, or he's going to work in small groups, or he's going to work in uh, individuals' lives. And you may not see the full ramification of it, but I believe in every lifetime, every Every so often, God does something that blows us away, and it's like, that's only God. That's only God. Sometimes it can be real quiet, and then all of a sudden, bam, God shows up, right? What we need to share with people is we're like them, too. We have our own struggles. We know what it's like to be there when I was struggling. You know you know what it's like when you were there before you became a Christian, how you were, straight, you were desiring the things of the world, and you wanted to fill your heart with all these things, and you wanted to do these things. And some of us, again, we still struggle with that. It doesn't mean we've left those temptations, but with the power of Jesus Christ, I can overcome them. God makes a way of escape for every temptation that comes my way. As we kind of wrap this up, verse 4 in chapter 2 but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, makes me think of that song. I tried to sing it for the first service. I'm not going to try to sing it for you today. It was, it, was, it was ugly. But this part of the message here, made alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our past sins. It is by grace that you are saved. And God raised up us up with Christ and seated us. What a joy. Seated us with Christ. I don't know. I know I don't deserve that. 
But man, it's such a blessing to know that I'm with Christ. I don't care where I'm sitting. I just, just to be sitting with Christ. What an awesome, awesome feeling. Him and the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Again, it goes back to the gospel. It goes back to Jesus in Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Pastor Mark shares this illustration. I'm going to borrow it today, but it is a very true illustration. I like it because if somebody gives you a gift, it's only yours until you receive it, until you accept it. You know, I can have a gift and have my Christmas tree and have all these gifts under the tree and I can invite family over, but if that person doesn't show up and receive their gift, that gift still remains, but they haven't received it. This is a gift of God. Salvation is not by works. It's not by the things we do. It's not by the effort that we put into things. It's by grace alone. Salvation is a gift of God. Going on, it says, not by works so that no one can boast. None of us can boast. You know, it's, I've been a Christian for, well, I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've been a Christian since I was nine of course, I rededicated at 16 because I was, I was not walking the way I should have been walking. I had hatred. I was mad at God. I was angry. I was upset when I was 16. I blamed God for everything. But God redeemed me. God forgave me. God sealed me. God had given me a place to belong. I'm a, I'm adopted. For we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. You are beautiful, fearfully, wonderfully made by God. And we are here to display his goodness, his grace, his love, his power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that God wants us to display in the world the difference that he made in our life. The same power is at work. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't want to make Scott feel like I'm picking on him at all, but I hope it's okay to share some of this. But Scott shared just how much he appreciates Porterfield, and I do too. Thank you for showing Christ. Thank you for being like Christ. I'm, I'm so proud that, and, and not I know it's not of me or anything, but just I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm proud in the sense of belonging, being a part of this, being a part of what God's doing, you know, because we're seeing people's lives changed. I think we could do more. I think God can, we can see God do more things, but it's not gonna be us it's going to be us putting ourselves in Christ. It's going to be us living out the gospel message of Jesus so that people will know the difference between the world and what the world says and what Jesus says. 
I'm not saying I get upset. I mean, you watch Fox News or you watch any TV news channel, you can be very, very upset and frustrated and saddened and, and all those things. What we need to keep in mind is the power. The power is in Christ in us. His Holy Spirit. And I think that as, as Scott leads this prayer team, and this is an invitation for, for all of you. We have an opportunity on Wednesdays to come and pray as a church on Wednesdays. There's a little group of us that meet at noon, and sometimes me and Pastor Mark can't always be there, but that group still meets and prays for the church. If you'd like to come and pray with them, it's an open invitation for you to come and pray. But if you can't come, how about from wherever you work or wherever you're at at noon on Wednesdays, you join us in prayer. And you pray for the church, you pray for the government, you pray for especially those that are lost, especially those that need to hear Jesus. And I would say pray for us ministers that we preach the word, that we preach the truth in love. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for everything that you do and thank you for this time. Thank you for everything that you do for us, that you would just continue to guide and direct us and help us to be more in line with you. Lord, I know that sometimes we can be discouraged, but Lord, your truth and your love is always there for us. And help us to remember it's in you, it's by your power, it's by your Holy Spirit, that Satan has no power over us. What we need to do is speak more. We thank you for the revivals that are, that are breaking out, that you would just break out a revival here, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and move in our hearts and our lives. But it's all in you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being here with us today. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would accept you as Lord and Savior of their life, that they would say, Lord, I know I've messed up. I've, I've done things against you. And I need to repent that they would give their heart and their life over to you. In your wonderful, precious name, I pray, Jesus. Amen.